Hey guys, and welcome back to Caffeine and Crime. Oh man, where have I been? So, I don't want to bore you guys with it or drag this out for too long. I just want to say, um, make sure you're taking care of yourself and um, not just physically, also mentally. Your mental health is so important and that is what I have been personally working on for the past couple of weeks. I took on a lot and realized that and I just needed to take a step back, look at what I was doing and what I could do for myself and I had to kind of let some things go and just not even let them go but just take a little bit of a break. So I did take a pause but I am back at it. We still have four episodes of spooky season that I want to get through and that I'm really excited to do. I'm so excited to jump back into it. Today I'm actually setting down I have a little bit of extra time, so I'm going to sit down and record this episode, and then I'm going to get some lunch, and then I'm going to record my next episode because I'm getting back on track. <laughs> um, but today, as you guys can see, we are talking about the Eastern State uh, Penitentiary, and it's it's pretty interesting. Um, this is another one where on their site they have so much good info that... Again, just thank you, Godson. <laughs> this whole season has been pretty easy when it comes to research because of the actual websites of these actual places making my life just a breeze. But if you didn't know, the um, Eastern State opened more than 180 years ago. It literally, I guess, changed the world when it comes to prisons and uh, sentencing and that type of ordeal. We're going to get into all of it, history and all, you guys know. Um, but it is known for its grand architecture and the strict discipline that went on there, and that it's the world's first true penitentiary. A prison designed to inspire penitence or a true regret in the hearts of prisoners. The building itself was an architectural wonder. It had running water and central heat before the White House, which is pretty cool, um, and it attracted visitors from around the globe. So we have not only notable inmates here on their site, but we also have a timeline. So we're gonna jump into the timeline a little bit. What's also really cool is the fact that when you actually go, you can tour this place. Obviously due to COVID-19, things are shut down right now, so we can't. But if you go to this place, um, the audio tour, I guess there's gonna be signs or that type of ordeal, or they'll just tell you like, start your audio here. And there's audio one through 10, and it talks about different things about um, the history and where you're standing pretty much. So as you tour and walk through the whole building, which is huge, um, each place you go, there's a new audio clip to listen to and you can actually listen to them without even being there which I think is really cool it's kind of what I'm doing today I'm going to be getting a lot of info there just to kind of get a little bit of the history of like the inmates and um, the systems and how everything worked also um, side note before we jump in any further if I do have any audio issues today I apologize new setup once again trying to get better and better at this and sometimes you 
take a leap and you think it's going to be 10 times better, but you actually take a few steps back. So hopefully, fingers crossed, that's not today because this episode is going up no matter what. <laughs> I've got to get an episode up. Um, but yeah, let's get into this. So I'm going to kind of be bouncing back and forth. What I also wanted to mention that is besides the audio tour, they also have an online tour option where you can go and see the building and there's like these little what would you call it? like little pins like you know how they're like put a pin in it there's like these little pins on the different locations it's pretty much like a map it's a whole map of the penitentiary and it's has quite a few pins 10 of them so it just kind of maps out the different places but then um some facts will pop up to the side about it which i think is really cool for instance like the facade which is the outside region um, before you enter into the whole thing because it's not just this big building but it actually has like a stone wall around it almost like a castle or something but trust me this is no castle um, but it says when the eastern state opened in 1829 it did not look like any other building in philadelphia I don't think I mentioned that, that it's in Philadelphia. I'm sure you've heard of this place, though, with, I think it was Ghost Hunters. I can't remember for sure, but um, the viral video clip of what they caught on camera at this place. We'll get into it. But um, it says, in fact, the prison, which was the largest building in the United States at the time, was two miles outside of the city. Since the building itself was intended to deter crime, Eastern State was designed to resemble a, mid a medieval or gothic castle. It very much so does. Architect John Haviland um, said that the building should strike fear into the hearts of those who thought of committing a crime. Today the prison is in downtown Philadelphia. The Eastern State was opened in 1829 as part of a controversial movement to change the behavior of inmates through confinement and solitude with labor. Eastern State quickly became one of the most expensive and most copied buildings in the young United States. In 1776, Walnut Street Jail, built to relieve the overcrowding and scandalous, scandalous conditions at Philadelphia's Old Stone Jail, received its first prisoners. In 1787, Dr. Benjamin Rush founds the Philadelphia Society for elevating the mis-series of public prisons, the first prison reform group in the world. Benjamin Franklin joined the group on August 13, 1787, and this group survives today, more than two centuries later, now called the Pennsylvania Prison Society. It promotes correctional reform and social, social justice. You can tell I'm a little rusty at this. I apologize. <laughs> In 1790, a penitentiary house with the capacity of 16 single cells was built in the Walnut Street Jail, and an experiment with day and night solitary confinement began. In 1821, after many years of lobbying with the Philadelphia Society um, for the elevating of this series of public prisons, the Pennsylvania Legislature approves funding to build the eastern state. The new prison will hold 250 inmates. Four architects submit designs for the massive new prison, and John Havilland, a British architect who had settled in Philadelphia, wins the commission. 
he received a hundred dollar prize for his design. Ooh, <laughs> that was a, a shit ton in 1821. Um, rival architect William Strickland, whose design had been rejected, is chosen to oversee the construction. In 1822, construction began on the foundations and walls, and William Strickland is fired, and John Haviland is appointed to oversee the construction. Hmm, wonder what happened there. In 1829, April 23rd, um, legislation specifying separate or solitary confinement at labor is passed. Many leaders believed that crime is the result of environment and that solitude will make the criminal regretful and penitent, hence the new word penitentiary. This correctional theory, as practiced in Philadelphia, will become known as the Pennsylvania system. Plans are finalized to prohibit all contact between prisoners at Eastern State, the world's most ambitious penitentiary, now nearly ready for its first inmates. Masks are fabricated to keep the inmates from communicating during rare trips outside their cells. Cells are equipped with food doors or with feed doors and individual exercise yards to prevent contact between inmates and minimize contact between inmates and guards. In 1829, October 25th, Eastern State Penitentiary opens. Its first inmate, Charles Williams, prisoner number one. This is insane. It literally has all details. It says his foot was 11 inches. His, he had a scar on the nose, a scar on his thigh, a broad mouth, black eyes, farmer by trade, can read, theft included one $20 watch, one $3 gold seal, one a gold key, sentenced to two years confinement with labor, received by Samuel R. Wood, first warden, Eastern State Penitentiary. That was what his file had said. That is insane that they, like, you know, have that on here. In 1831, work completed on Block 3, the last of the original single-story cell box. Work began on Block 4, 5, 6, and 7, all two stories to accommodate the increasing numbers of convicts. Block 7 completed in 1835. And the first female prisoner is received. French commissioners Gustave de Beaumont and Alexis de I don't even want to pronounce their last name. I don't know Tocqueville uh, visit to study the new correctional system. And in 1832 there was the first escape an inmate who served as the warden's waiter lowers himself from the roof of the front building. Once captured, this inmate will escape in the same manner five years later in 1837. 1834, first of several investigations into the prison's finances, punishment practices, and deviations from the Pennsylvania Supreme of Confinement. Um, there was a lot of awful things that went on here, as you guys, I'm sure, are aware. Or if you weren't, you probably figured. In 1836, original prison um, completed, was completed under the supervision of its architect, John Haviland, um, covering an area of 11 acres with state-of-the-art plumbing, sewage systems, and 450 centrally heated cells. 
Eastern State Penitentiary is an architectural marvel. Governments throughout the world model prisons after Eastern State. Tourists travel by horse and buggy from Philadelphia more than a mile away to see the building. Ooh, more than a mile away on that horse and buggy. Samuel Cowporthwaite, I'm assuming. Um, he was convict number 2954. He created a lithogram in 1855, the building from above, showing Philadelphia has not yet grown to reach the penitentiary. Eastern State has cost nearly $780,000, one of the most expensive buildings of its day in the United States. In 1842, Charles Dickens, he visited the United States to see Niagara Falls and the Eastern State. He will later write, the system is rigid, strict and hopeless solitary confinement, and I believe it, in its efforts to be cruel and wrong. In 1854, first full-time school teachers were hired. Um, this central rotunda is photographed by William Langham and Frederick Langham in 1855. 1858, over 10,000 tourists visit Eastern State, the most in a single year until the historic tours began in 1994 that are still going on, but technically we're closed right now due to COVID again. <laughs> um, 1877, Four new cell blocks without attached exercise yards are constructed in the spaces between existing cell blocks. In 1911, completed um, cell block 12, wedged between blocks 6 and 7, is drastically different from the blocks that preceded it. Built of light-colored rainforest concrete, this block consists of three floors with 40 cells each. There are no arch ceilings, and instead of lights, skylights, each cell has a narrow window. In 1913, the Pennsylvania system of confinement with solitude is officially abandoned at Eastern State. The system had actually broke down decades earlier. In 1923, female prisoners were removed um, to new prison at Muncie. In July, inmate Leo Callahan and five accomplices armed with pistols successfully scaled the east wall after holding up a group of unarmed guards. More than 100 inmates escaped from Eastern State during its 142 years of active use. Callahan is the only one never to be recaptured. All of Callahan's accomplices were apprehended, including one that made it as far as Honolulu, Hawaii. Crazy. In 1924, um, in January, inmates eat for the first time in group dining halls. Tablecloths were provided on Sundays and holidays, and holiday decorations were described as a moral building factor. On August 12, 1924, Pennsylvania Governor Grifford Pincock, Pinchot, I'm not sure, allegedly sentenced Pep the Cat Murdering Dog. Huh. That is a name to write down for later. To a life sentence at Eastern State, he allegedly murdered the governor's wife's cherished cat. Oh my goodness. Prison records reflect that Pep was assigned an inmate number, number C2559. 
which is seen in his mugshot. However, the reason for Pep's incarceration remains a subject of some debate. A newspaper article reported that the governor donated his own dog to the prison to increase inmate moral. Crazy. If only people were, like, arrested for that shit nowadays. Um, 1926, construction begins on cell block 14. They just can't stop. Eastern States, second three-story cell block. Any space between the cell blocks is now nearly gone, and it's intended to hold 250 inmates, but now holds 1,700. And between 1929 and 1930, Chicago gangster Al Capone spends eight months at Eastern State. An article in the Philadelphia Public Ledger August 20th, 1929, describes his cell. The whole room was suffused and the glow of the desk lamp, which stood on a polished desk. On the once grim walls of the penal chamber hung tasteful paintings and the strands of a waltz were being emitted by a powerful cabinet radio receiver of handsome design and fine finish. So pretty much he had a bougie cell block not cell block but a bougie cell and um i actually have pictures so make sure you check out the blog if you have not seen it um some of you guys might have but i'm going to try to include as many um pictures and that type of ordeal on the blog today which is linked in the description below 1933 inmates set fires to their cells and destroys workshops and a riot over insufficient recreational facilities overcrowding and idleness. In 1934, inmates at Eastern State riot over low wages. Prisoners short-circuit electrical outlets, start fires, and cause other disturbances. Warden Smith puts down the riot with a strong show of force. Ugh, wonder what that was. In 1945, 12-minute escape through a tunnel that emerges at Fairmont Avenue and 22nd Street. Prisoner plaster worker Clarence Clendence designed and built most of the tunnel at the time of the escape he only had two years left to serve most of the men were caught within minutes Ugh. not saying that that's a good thing or whatever but it's like dude you had two years left like just fucking serve it he was out for two hours and has 10 years added to his sentence for prison break oh my god which like i i, I don't get it i you know but it's like you kind of have to understand at a certain point whenever you read the things of what these prisoners actually went through. And I mean, like some, yeah, some prisoners are god-awful. Killing people, butchering people, whatever the case may be. I don't really want to get like in a debate about it because it's, it's so, it's a hit or miss situation and subject to talk about. Um, so sometimes people do the most awful things and you're just like, oh my God, they deserve it back 10 times. And that's literally what this place gave them. But some of these people were just like thieves. And I mean, I don't, I'm like anybody else. I don't like a thief. But some of the stuff is insane that they would do to these prisoners. It's god awful and sad. So that's why this, these people were desperate to get out. But... I was saying, serve your two fucking years, because now you have ten added on. Man. Uh, bank robber Willie Sutton takes credit for the planning of the tunnel. Pennsylvania legislature, 
recommends abandoning um, Eastern State. In 1953, Eastern State becomes a state correctional institution at Philadelphia, or SCIPHA. 1958, the city of Philadelphia certifies Eastern State an historic property. In 1961, blocks are desegregated. In 1961, inmate John Klossenberg tricks a guard into opening the cell of another inmate. With the cells open, the inmates overpowered the guard and began the largest riot in the prison's history. Several hours later, a large force of police, guards, and state troopers reclaimed the prison. The riot fuels discussions to close the eastern state. In 1965, federal government designates eastern state a national historic landmark, and in January of 1970, eastern state closes. Most inmates are sent to the state correctional institution at Greater Ford, while the penitentiary, electrical, and mechanical systems are in terrible shape. Its walls and paints are in perfect condition. And in the year of 1970 to 1971, the city of Philadelphia uses the eastern state to house prisoners from the county prison at Holmesburg following a riot there. From 1971 to mid-1980s, Eastern State is all but totally abandoned. Philadelphia Streets Department uses grounds for storage. Vandals smash skylights and windows. An urban forest grows in the halls and the cells. And Dan McLeod, the last city caretaker, continues to feed a family of stray cats on the property. In 1974, Mayor Frank Rizzo suggests demolishing Eastern State to construct a criminal justice center. In 1980, City of Philadelphia takes title to, of the building, paying the state of Pennsylvania just over 400000 In 1984, the city transfers Eastern State to the Redevelopment Authority to seek proposals for commercial use. And in 1888, Eastern State Task Force, a group of architects, preservationists, and historians is formed. Mayor Wilson Goode urges the Redevelopment Authority to eject all proposals for commercial use of the property. First limited group tours of the building began. In 1991, with generous funding, the Pew Charitable Trust Stabilization and Preservation efforts begin. The first Halloween fundraiser takes place on Halloween night to raise money to create a daytime tour program. A few hundred people attended the first year. Since then, a Halloween fundraiser has been held at it each fall and attendance increased each year. Today, Terror Behind the Walls is one of the largest and most successful haunted attractions in the county. In 1994, Eastern State opens for historic tours on a daily basis. Visitors are required to wear hard hats and sign liability waivers. More than 10,000 visitors attend in the first year. In 1996, with funding from the William Penn Foundation, permanent museum exhibits are constructed and a marketing campaign begins An on-site art exhibition prison sentences receives international attention the site is featured in the new york times art in america and on bbc c s p a n and pbs attendance nearly doubles eastern state arch cell blocks and central rotunda are transformed into mental institution and the movie 
12 Monkeys with Bruce Willis. The World Monument Fund includes Eastern State on its list of the 100 most important endangered landmarks in the world. In 1998, Eastern State um, Historic Site, a non-profit non organization with the sole purpose of preserving the penitentiary and opening it for tours, is formed and Eastern State portrays a Southeast Asian prison in the movie Return to Paradise. In 2001, <laughs> we're getting there, guys. <laughs> Eastern State um, Historic Site assumes the Prison Society concession agreement with the city of Philadelphia in 2003. The 10th season of public tours marked the production of the Voices of Eastern State audio tour, um, which is what I'm going to get into in a minute. Several dramatic new vistas in the prison cathedral like cell blocks open after Extensive stabilization, visitors are no longer required to wear hard hats. 2005, Cell Block 7 opens to the public for the first time. Pandemonium, a site art installation by audio artists Janet Cardiff and George Burr Millers, opens in Cell Block 7. Cell Block 7 is a little spooky. 2007, uh, winter adventure tours begin. Eastern State is now open for tours seven days a week, 12 months a year. In 2008, visitors are no longer required to sign a liability waiver upon entry. 2014, the big graft is unveiled on the prison's baseball diamond. 2016, prisons today questions in the age of mass incarceration opens. It will eventually win the highest award in the museum field award overall winner from the American Alliance of Museums in 2017 Eastern State. Historic site adopts a new mission statement with a focus on criminal justice reform. There you have it. Some of the history, a lot of the history. What else do you need? <laughs> um, we are going to talk about some notable inmates that were um, here. There's just, there's not too many to get through. Um, so Al Capone. Chicago's most famous mob boss spent eight months at Eastern State from 1929 to 1930. Um, arrested for carrying a concealed deadly weapon, this was Capone's first prison sentence. His time in Eastern State was spent in relaxive luxury. His cell on the Park Avenue block had fine furniture, oriental rugs, and a cabinet radio. And that's where I'm going to jump over to the... Um, click through graph because we actually have Al, um, Al cell on here. And in 1929, famous gangster um, Al Scarface Capone spent eight months of his life in the cell. The Philadelphia Daily Ledger reported that he was enjoying many luxuries during his stay in Eastern. Reportedly, his cell was furnished with large oriental rugs on the floor oil paintings on the walls, and a cabinet radio. The cell has been restored to its appearance during Capone's stay. So if you go, you can actually see what it looked like when Capone was staying there. And that's the pictures that I will have up on the blog today for you. Victor Babe Androli, convicted of killing a Pennsylvania state trooper in 1937. He arrived at Eastern State to serve a life sentence for first-degree murder. He escaped in 1943, apparently by hiding in a delivery truck that was leaving the prison. Several weeks later, police caught up to him in Chester, Philadelphia, diner, where he was shot dead. Man. Morris the Rabbit Bulber. All their nicknames, man. The Or the Rabbit. 
rabbi, the rabbi, the rabbit, <laughs> the rabbi. Okay, when Morris the Rabbi Bulber entered Eastern State in 1942, he was serving a life sentence as a member of the arsenic murder ring located in Philadelphia. Called a veteran witch doctor and compounder of charms, he was one of the leaders of the group. They appealed to women who were willing to murder husbands in order to collect on their husbands' insurance policies. Between 1932 and 1937, the group was responsible for the deaths of at least 30 people. 16 men and women were convicted for participating in the syndicate, um, including Bulber and Horace Pearlman, who also served time at Eastern State for the murders. While at Eastern State, he joined the Jewish congregation in the Eastern State. Um, one of the penitentiary's most dedicated volunteers, Joseph Paul, also took an interest in him. Mr. Paul's concern deeply moved Bulber. Less than two weeks before his death in Eastern State in 1954, he wrote, of the volunteer as for me i remember his numerous never to be forgotten acts of kindness shown me therefore will i pay for him a prayer he surely deserves for all the good he has done for me the next one is leo callahan of the approximately 100 inmates to escape from the eastern state leo callahan is the only one that got away with it Assault and battery with intent to kill brought callahan to esp a makeshift wooden ladder later him brought him out. In 1923, Callahan and five other inmates built a ladder that they would use to scale the east wall of the penitentiary. His five accomplices were eventually recaptured, but Callahan is still at large, although he now would be over 110 years old. That is insane. Man, the one that got away. Uh, Frida Frost. He, she was a female... Female inmates were part of the landscape at Eastern State for almost 100 years, and Frida Frost was the last of them. Transferred to the Muncie Industrial Home for Women in 1923, Frost's departure marked the end of an era. Frost had been serving a 20-year sentence for murder. She had poisoned her husband. Um, our last one is William Francis Slick Willie Sutton, one of the most famous bank robbers in American history. Slick Willie spent 11 years at Eastern State. In 1945, him, among 11 other prisoners, escaped from Eastern State in an inmate dug tunnel that went almost 100 feet underground. He was recaptured just minutes later. Over the course of his criminal career, he is credited with over 50 bank robberies, three successful escapes from prison, and over 30 years served behind bars. Behind bars. He died in 1980. So to get back into the actual building, you have, out of the 10 marks that are on here, there is the synagogue. Um, in 1907, Jewish inmates serving time at Eastern State had access to Rabbianical Council but had no formal place of worship. By 1925, there were 34 Jewish inmates incarcerated, um, making them a small but growing presence in the larger prison population. So in the fall of 1927, construction began at the Eastern State for a synagogue. In the former exercise yards of Cellbox 7, it is believed to be the first prison synagogue in America. By 1929, the Jewish inmate population, now numbering 49, was worshipping here. The synagogue was restored in 2008.
We also have cell block seven. In May 1833, architect John Haviland created a new model for cell block 7, with several advantages over earlier cell blocks on the site. The most noticeable difference between cell block 7 and the previous two-story blocks, 4, 5, and 6, is the 30-foot barrel vault ceiling. In addition, Haviland set the catwalks back so they did not hang over the first floor. This made the block brighter and contributed to the cathedral-like atmosphere. When cell block 7 was finished in 1836, it marked the completion of the original construction of Eastern State. Valence Hub. The penitentiary rotunda is the physical and symbolic center of the prison. This distinctive architectural feature designed for surveillance into the radiating cell blocks was copied in hundreds of prisons during the 19th century and provides one of the most powerful visitor experiences today. The seven original cell blocks and the south corridor can be seen through the eight arched doorways around the room. So pretty much you're in the center of this room and you can see each cell block as you just spin. It's right smack in the middle. Then back towards the left, you have the kitchen and bakery. The freestanding building shown here is the kitchen. It was built in 1903. What looks like a porch is a loading dock, and the big hole in the front is the old truck scale. There is still some debate over the food at Eastern. Some inmates thought it was pretty good, and some inmates had a very different opinion. Then if you go more right from the very center, you have the hospital. And by the late 1800s, Eastern State needed a complete state-of-the-art hospital. Diseases, especially tuberculosis, spread quickly in the cramped, crowded cell blocks. Cell block three housed an operating room, laboratories, pharmacy, x-ray lab, hydrotherapy rooms, psychiatric department, and a solar solarum of treating tuberculosis patients. Also towards that side, you have a baseball field, and in 1952, a powerhouse and maintenance shop were demolished to make way for the baseball field, which was doubled as a football field. A baseball backstop with filled goalpost is visible directly in front of the central guard tower. A home run fence can be seen on top of the 30-foot high walls. And then going back even further towards the right, you have the death row. Cell block 15 opened in April of 1959, replacing cell block 13 as the maximum security block. Extending from the end of cell block 2, cell block 15 had 17 cells on each of its two floors. The cell block became known as death row when men with death sentences were placed here between 1959 and 1961. However, there were never any executions at Eastern State. In order to minimize contact between inmates and guards, a row of bars was installed in the center of the corridor, creating two distinct hallways. When the prison was closed in 1971, these bars as well as the cell doors were removed and sold for scrap metal. And the last is the hole. It's an underground. There's four small cells with low ceilings and no plumbing. It was isolation. Isolation was always used at Eastern State, but its use changed drastically over time. In the 20th century, isolation at Eastern State was used as punishment. Prior to that time, it was the basic, cor basic correctional philosophy. At every prison, punishment cells are called 
in the inmate slang, the hole. Here at Eastern, this place was also called Klon Klondike. Talked a lot of history, but now let's get into some spooky. Creative director and general manager of Terror Behind the Walls, Amy Holloman, has been working at ESP for 13 seasons and had her first paranormal experience ever at the site. She said, prior to that, I had been a skeptic about paranormal activity. I wasn't the kind of person hoping to find ghosts or assuming there were ghosts. During her first season working, she was cleaning paintbrushes with a colleague, knowing they were the last two people on the premises for the night. All of a sudden, in the back area of the room they were in, she said, we started to hear these sounds, like a person was stomping or something, and then moving a paper over repeatedly. Then we heard the sound of a cup move. These were independent sounds that lasted for 15 seconds. It doesn't seem like that long of a time, but imagine if something is terrifying you. It's pretty long. I literally learned what the word petrified meant. I was frozen stiff. Her and her colleague linked arms and left the building in silence, too stunned for words. She also works with the actors as part of her job, and two different ghostly accounts from two different actors certainly sent chills up her spine. She said, according to many ghost investigators, cell block 12 is one of the most hottest paranormal spots on site. An actor says to me one year, Amy, I can't work on the top floor of cell block 12 anymore. Can you move my spot? She asks him why, and he replies, there's a ghost up there. When I was at the edge of the cell block, it looked like this woman was running towards me, screaming, and once she got close to me, she turned around and ran back. Ooh. She thought his account was weird and switched a spot. Three years later, a totally different actor comes to her with a similar story about the second floor of cell block 12 being haunted. She said, you'll never believe this, but I think it was... A banshee. It was flying down the cell block towards me, screaming, and then turned back. She also talks about a visitor had mailed a bolt back that they had taken from the site along with a letter. In it, they say they regretted taking it because they had the worst luck ever since. The mysterious sender returned the bolt in a bag of sage, asking the staff to put the bolt back exactly where they found it. For them to think that their lives took a turn for the worse since taking this object says something. She isn't the only person on staff with paranormal experiences. Technical director James Travis also had his own moment with the spirit. He said it was close to midnight on a rainy and windy Friday during the fall of the year 2012. I think he's a storyteller. There was an event that evening and all the other guests and staff had left the property. He noticed a large steel panel that had been delivered for him in the building gatehouse and wanted to move it out of the way and decided to take it to cell block 12. Again, the most hottest paranormal spot. He said, I planned to put it just inside the gate there. The dolly kept sliding out of the way, so I had to use both hands to get the gate unlocked. All of a sudden, he felt the presence of someone behind him. I knew that everyone else had left the property, so my first suspicion was that there was some miscrement had secluded themselves away and were up to no good. When Travis turns around, he sees a short man, only about 5'4", standing a few feet away from him. 
I instantly drew back, my fist ready to strike, heart pumping. Then I realized he was translucent and dressed in Silver War era military clothes. Then he disappeared. Later, he found out that the Eastern State was operational during the Civil War. Ooh. Despite the accounts, even ESP staff has a few skeptics in their ranks who haven't actually seen or heard ghosts, like Director of Interactivity for Terror Behind the Walls, Jennifer Tomzak. She says, I tell people that I do not believe in ghosts, but I look for them during my evening evenings working as a performer. She has been with ESP for 14 seasons, has never seen anything. Manifest as a physical form, but admits that she had odd sensations now and then. She said, my head throbbed and I felt cold and queasy while standing in three locations. The warden's office, the very back section of Klondike, the punishment cell, the hole, and near a pipe closet on the second floor of death row. She openly invites ghost creatures to hang out with her while working. She says, I openly welcome an apparition companionship during my long nights in the crumbling cell blocks. So very weird. There's other guests who have come and um, one person in particular said that because during this Halloween terror behind the walls, um, all, all of these staff, they're dressed up gory and like prison guards and stuff. So um, it's supposed to be a spooky experience. It's Halloween. But some guests that have come in and toured have said that they would see somebody and look um, like this man dressed in old gel clothes, like really, really old cell clothes. And they would look him right in the eye, and then he would disappear. And apparently it's been reported so many times by guests. Other people have reported um, being tugged, like being grabbed by their shirt and pulled a certain direction. Ooh, so eerie. And other encounters are, you know, the temperature dropping, feeling, you know, kind of sick. But also you have... There's actually a video from the Underworld Ghost Hunters on YouTube um, of the ghosts that run cell to cell. And I had just stumbled across it, so I'm going to have it linked in the blog as well. But, ooh, it's... Uh, these type of ordeal, it's just always so eerie. Like, I believe in them, and, like, I believe that ghosts are, like, a real thing. But I also believe that there's, like, good ones and there's bad ones. So it's just so eerie and just... I want to go so bad and like tour it, but then it's like at the same time, like I feel like I'm going to be on edge so bad. My anxiety is going to be so bad that the ghosts are going to be like, yep, her. Let's go after her. <laughs> Very eerie. Um, a lot of stories out there. If you know of one or if you have one and you've went and visited, please send it to me. Um, Instagram is at Caffeine Crime Podcast. I would love to share it on the blog with the others if you're okay with that. Um, but yeah, it's just... Another one of those places that you want to visit so bad, but you're like, man, <laughs> it's so like, because you got, you have to think like of for all the different prisoners that have died there, but it's been known that not just that, like, although it was more so talked about as a, um, solitary confinement and just keeping them in their cells for 23 hours a day letting them out for one hour um but it was also them the labor they had to work and 
besides that, there's all the stories of, like, torture that went on there. And, I mean, the whole, I mean, I'll try to put some pictures of it there. It's, it's so sad. And to think of people being put down in these tiny, tiny cells for God knows how long and having to probably use the bathroom on themselves and or stay in the same room with it for who knows how long. It's it's really awful. You can definitely look up more history on it if you'd like. I feel like I have given you guys so much today. Um, welcome back. I'm back and it's a very, very long ass episode today. <laughs> so we're going to go ahead and start wrapping it up here, but it is really eerie. I feel like it's more of a spookier one because we actually have video footage from like ghost hunters with that. Like, I, I mean, how can you explain that? Like you just, you can't. You literally can't. It was a camera that they had just sat up and walked away from. And even the other people on YouTube who have that footage, you can literally see something moving from cell to cell. It's, oh, it's so eerie. Besides that, you can get on and do the audio tour because as I was listening through, it's really cool. It goes into more detail about history with prisoners and stuff and kind of what their day-to-day -day was like. And I was going to talk more about it here, but this is so long and I feel like it's more of their content. I think you should definitely go check it out and support them. I know that they're probably having a hard time with COVID closing them down. One of these days, maybe they'll be able to open and we can all go and live out our dream of being haunted by a ghost that apparently is in cell clothes and mocks you. Yeah, that's one of the ghosts that are there apparently mocks you and then vanishes when you look at it. Um, but there is virtual group tours and they are live discussion-based experiences that provide opportunities to reflect on Eastern States history and the many impacts of mass incarceration um so that's cool too um you can kind of go through and see like talks about the justice system past and present and um apparently it's for schools and college and just like groups that type of ordeal um still think it's really cool though and um yeah I would love to one day go and support them. They said that they are um, a charitable nonprofit organization. On their site, it says their mission um, is the legacy of American criminal justice reform from the nation's foundings through the present day within the long abandoned cell blocks of the nation's most historic prison. They hope that um, what they do at Eastern State is a good way to show um, the public and more and more visitors to pretty much criminal justice to engage them in the dialogue and deepen the national conversation about criminal justice. And they actually have a 10-year strategic plan, which is probably put on hold right now, but they said that they're at a crossroads and having addressed most of the stabilization and programmatic challenges that faced the organization 20 years ago, the time has come for a new, more ambitious vision. We have rewritten our mission statement to embody a new vision and created amb ambitious strategic plan for the infrastructure and visitor amenities 
necessary to realize this site's extraordinary potential. The executive summary, I guess you can download it and read about it there. <laughs> um, but yeah, it is still really cool. And yeah, I would love to go one of these days. Let me know what you think. And again, if you've been, let me know. Like, hit me up. Let me know how your experience was. Did you have any paranormal activity going on? Did you catch anything? Or are you more of a skeptic and it didn't really bother you? <laughs> uh, but yeah, I hope you guys enjoyed. I'm sorry for such a long break, but I am back. And next episode will be up next week. Not promising any days. <laughs> um, but I know this one's going to take me a little while to get through and edit down for you guys. So I hope you enjoyed a long episode back. And we still have three more to go for the rest of spooky season. If you have come back and you have listened, I really, really appreciate it. And it, it feels good to be back. I will see you next week in episode seven.